oh, I'm supposed to start. You are. <laughs> We're off to a bad start. Okay, here we go. Welcome to Infinite Insights, the podcast designed for all TK12 math teachers. I'm Maggie Peters, math consulting teacher for the Rincon Valley School District here in Northern California. And I'm Dwayne Habecker, math coordinator for Merced County Office of Education. Every other week, Dwayne and I will share a new math research study or article or some other mathy thing, and we'll talk it over, bounce ideas off of each other, and think about how to implement those in the classroom. That's exactly it. And welcome back from winter break, Maggie. Woohoo! Happy New Year! Yeah. Yeah. And it's been, not that the listeners need to wonder, but um, it's been a long time since we've talked. It has been, actually. Between uh-huh. breaks and, you know, um, life happening. So I'm glad we're we're here and doing this together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm stoked. And my life resulted in a hole in my roof. Yes. So I'm, I'm glad that that is done and we can record another podcast. <laughs> I am glad for that too. <laughs> uh, so, uh, well, shucks, I'm going to say the quote because it says M, but I'm going to do it. So right. Maggie, I would love for you to start us out today because the ideas for today's show and the next several came to us from Twitter. So tell everyone about it. So you um, were contacted by a man named Eric Lee. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, hey, I have this really great um, article for you um, talking about 10 questions that PISA asked. And um, would you would you like to do it? Would it be of interest? And you and I read it and we thought it was amazing. So today we are addressing question number three. And if you want any of the other questions, um, they are on the other math, um, links to those. And then of course, what is it? iTunes? Yeah, sure. All right. Or we'll tune in or Stitcher. There's, we do all the normal services for our podcast. Yeah. Good. Cause we like yeah. to cover the world. <laughs> and we should tell people, and we don't do this a lot, but every episode that we do, um, in the episode notes for whatever tool you're using to listen to us, we essentially write a blog post. And if you don't want to read that blog post for our, for our episode notes, um, if you don't want to read that on your phone or your tablet, go to theothermath.com and that's where you can read the blog post on your computer. And it might be a little more handy that way. So, uh, there you go. So there's our selfless plug, right? And and I like how you did it. It's new year, new fresh listeners. So it's good. Okay. That, thank you. That makes sense. So uh, today's question. Yeah, go for it. It's about classroom cl- climate. As mathematics teacher, how important is the relationship I or you have with your students? You got it. And that's the basic question that we're going to be uh, we have the PISA data because did we did we talk about the PISA and all that sort of stuff? I guess um, you did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So okay, yeah. So the data. I can't believe this is okay. Um, we didn't rehearse this, but I can't believe we need data to say 
relationships are important with our students. I know. I I felt the same way because I feel like that is at the core of any teaching. You have to have a relationship. Like you don't want to learn from somebody you don't trust, respect, you know, feel like they like you. Right. So, yeah, I agree. So the um the article, this chapter uh, of the, the the big huge report, it starts off by asking you know some classic questions to get us thinking about um, our classroom climate, and it was like things like how was the learning environment in your classroom? You know, on on like think back to your last great awesome teaching day, and th- with that day in mind, how was the learning environment in your classroom? Did you continually have to discipline your students because of their behavior or were students late for class or causing disruptions or were learners staying on task and actively participating in treating you and their peers with respect, right? Mm-hmm. And, and then, so, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was well, just going to say that <laughs> to the point, I'm going to say it, I guess, yeah, sure. <laughs> um, you know, that when there is a positive classroom climate, you know, um, and when all of those questions are answered with positivity, um, and an honest positivity, that is, um, more time is spent teaching, less time is spent on addressing disruptions, and you feel more positive about your job. I mean, you have a good day, you go home and you're like, I love my job, you know, versus, oh God, I had to sit there and reprimand Tommy 47 times for talking with Susie. And then, you know, That's no fun. It totally sounds like you're describing a middle school math class. (laughs) Or any math class. Actually, any class in general. That's true. That is true. Kind of um, off topic, sort of, but Alice Keeler, she tweeted out, uh, how would your teaching change if your your class was optional, right? And, And for like art teachers and, and drama teachers. Well, class, that class is optional, but I know where Alice is coming from. She's a math teacher. Mm-hmm. So she's like, so, you know, how would our math class change? How would the instruction change if the kids could vote with their feet and, you know, and not show up and kind of think the classroom climate would be better if we were challenged in that way. I wonder how many standards we'd actually cover if that was the case. Would standards even be relevant in that? Because I I I don't know about you, but I I know a lot of fourth graders who'd probably walk out on my long division um, lesson, the introduction to long division, probably. (laughs) That's true. Or you you would find a really, really compelling and engaging way to make it relevant right to the kids yeah but using content that i have to use you know like (laughs) yes anyway interesting thoughts yeah okay so what is a good classroom environment for mathematics teaching and learning what do you think okay well i'm gonna say (laughs) it says okay come on the the hqi what what is hqi it says the prerequisites for hqi i'm gonna call High quality instruction. You got it. Okay. That's what I thought. So they've got three prerequisites. They're saying, come on, you need some positive classroom climate. 
You need good classroom management and you need a strong relationship between teachers and learners. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my mind, I keep coming back to um, the, what, um, the wisdom of Jim Knight, the expert in instructional coaching. And he says in the four things that coaches need to do with their teachers, number one on the list is classroom management. And really, that is these three prerequisites for uh, high quality instruction, positive classroom climate, good classroom management, and strong relationships between teachers and learners. Mm-hmm. And so why are those three, why are those prerequisites? You, well, you do it. Well, I mean, Matt. <laughs> Because, you know, when you have all those put together, you get to teach more. Kind of like we talked about a few minutes earlier. Like, you know, you get to teach more, which means that you hopefully more learning occurs um, in a positive school environment. There's not as much stress. That kind of negates all the learning. The kids are able to ingest what you're telling them. And when the disciplinary, uh, the the climate of the classroom is related you know, to how and what teachers are able to teach. Like, basically, like I was saying, you're not wasting all of your time telling a student to stop talking or being off task. You actually can use those moments to um, get them interested in your content and get them hooked into what you're teaching. You got it. So uh, getting down and dirty with the data, because as if we need data to tell us that, um, relationships are important, but let's do it. Let's run with it. Cause PISA data suggests a link between the behavior of students in a class and their overall familiarity with the math in general. Mm-hmm. And so basically we're saying the, the better, uh, a better disciplinary climate is related to a greater familiarity with math. Even when we start controlling for things like students in schools with their similar uh, socioeconomic profiles. So really we're saying if you have um, good relationships in your class, you're going to create a good classroom environment and data, international data says it's going to be worth the effort to have this kind of climate because students are going to learn math better. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to throw this out there because I, I think it didn't necessarily do a good job of what a better disciplinary climate looks like um, necessarily. And in some people's minds, it's rows of kids not speaking, totally just listening to teachers. And I'd, I'd question that, you know, like what is an actual disciplinary climate? Is it kids working together? Is it working harmoniously? Is it, you know, is it noisy? Is it quiet? Is it, you know, it's, it, that's something that I think would need to be a little bit more, um, described perhaps. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, in my mind along those lines, I was thinking, okay, well, what creates all these prerequisites, uh, positive classroom climate and good classroom management, all this sort of stuff. The first thing that came to mind, and it's so, I don't know, it might sound pretentious and arrogant to say and kind of, I don't, yeah, but learn your students' names. And I cannot tell you how many times I've, in working with teachers, we're talking about a class that I just observed, how often um, a teacher struggles with the name of a student. And I'm wondering... 
<laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, sometimes it's because it's a middle school teacher and they have 200 kids. So I, I get it. I understand that. And I'm not talking third day of school, but I am talking um, uh, by Thanksgiving, teachers are still struggling. And I, you know, I, I, I just understand it because I, I was there as a teacher myself. And I remember a room where I had four Alyssas, three Alicias, and an Alice. And, and I know I struggled with it. And so I'm, I'm not bringing this up because I'm perfect, but begin with knowing everybody's names. Because it makes them feel special. And when they feel special, they want to do better. Yeah. And if you can connect um, a kid with also one or two um, life facts about that kid. Hey, Elisa, who likes soccer? Or, <laughs> hey, Joey, the dude who thinks I'm too tall? You know, that kind of a thing. So now you're connecting the kid with something else. And that just um, makes the kids want to be there. And they know they're not invisible. Mm -hmm. My uh, my kids used to go do Taekwondo. And um, the Taekwondo instructor was amazing. And I learned about him because he came into my school one year to do like a, an all-school assembly. And um, he was pulling kids up from every single class. And like probably after an hour, he had a good chunk of every kid's name memorized. And so like when they all sat back down, he would be able to name them and point at them. And those kids would beam. And it was like amazing after, you know, just a short period of time, how quickly that just turned everybody. And like, as soon as he, he spoke, they stopped talking. It was, it was cool. Well, because the kids know when you respect them, they're going to start respecting you. And to, to kind of connect it to math a little bit, number talks, one of the things I do with number talks is I do um, often as often as I can uh, name a method after the student. You know, this is uh, Jennifer's method. And but then I might also say it's called number bonds or mm -hmm. it's called compensation. But Boy, I want that class to know that was Jennifer's method. Mm -hmm. And uh, boy, that kid just beams. It it doesn't matter if I'm talking to kindergartens or kinders or eighth graders. They beam. They're like, when my it, brain's there. Yeah. yeah. Well, that I, reminds me, I was in a classroom, a first grade classroom the other day. And uh -huh. I, it's along this lines. It's not necessarily using the kids' names per se, but it was like, they were using such high academic vocabulary because she had taken the time and she was praising them for doing it. Like they were using, oh, that is the commutative, you know, um, association or whatever it is. Um, sorry, it just went out of my mind, but um, the commutative uh, property of addition. And she's like, great job. And you could just see them beaming because they knew that they were using, you know, things that a normal first grader wouldn't use. And so upping that rigor and, you know, made it like a nice environment for those kids because they wanted to reach for those higher levels. Yeah. And that's where the teacher is like, building these strong relationships between her and her kiddos. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the prerequisites for a high quality instruction. So Exactly. Well, and how does that, you know, how does that learning environment influence your teaching and your students learning? What does PISA say about that? 
Exactly. So I was what you were putting down. I was there. Well, okay. So when the PISA data was asking students what, you know, what was going on in their lives. So students say that their teachers are more likely to use all teaching practices if, um, if there's a better disciplinary climate. So when we say all teaching practices, we're talking, um, teachers are more likely to be using that high quality instruction if these three things happen. A better disciplinary climate is existing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a system of classroom management is in place. So the kids clearly know there's a system and wh- what to expect and how to navigate in that system. And then the last one is when students feel supported by their teachers and have good relationships with them. So um, the TALIS is a kind of a parallel report that we've been quoting throughout these episodes. And uh, it asks teachers about both the climate of their classrooms and their relationships with students. And their responses uh, revealed important connections between the the quality of the learning environment and the teacher's job satisfaction, So, as well as their confidence in their own abilities. So basically, uh, a teacher is confident and satisfied and is happy when the classroom is running smoothly. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, my thought is when you've got a smooth running classroom, that's when teachers are going to be open to PLCs. That's when they're going to be open to collaboration. That's going to be when they're open to trying to bring in new ideas into their classroom, like Desmos or GeoGebra or Number Talks. You know, when when that classroom management is running uh, smoothly, now they're ready to start bringing in content and instructional strategies. Mm -hmm. It's amazing the differences between a smooth running classroom and one that is not. Kids will learn in either environment, but it may not be to the extent that you you wish them to learn. Yeah, yeah. I know that our podcast is kind of like directed towards um, math teaching and math coaches and all that sort of stuff. But really, I think f- for our listeners who are connected in some way to instructional coaches or maybe they're site leaders in some way, we just have to, the data is super duper clear about this, that, and it's, it's stating the obvious, but maybe we need to just redouble our efforts. This, the data is saying classroom management is paramount. You, You can't talk about curriculum. It's hard to talk about instructional strategies. It's hard to do all these other things in a classroom that doesn't have a smooth, positive classroom management running. And so coaches, if like I, if I'm a math coach, I just need to own it that I might not get to talk about math until I get that classroom management going in the classroom. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I can see that. But like our one of the first podcasts you and I had done, we were talking about how you could use your content to build some of that, to build that positive energy so that you're not saying, let's get to know each other and then get to the unfun stuff. You know, it's like, let's get to know each other by using math 
things like let's do a getting to know you by measurement. Who's the tallest? Who's the shortest? Who, you know, who, um, I don't know, who can count the highest? I, you know. <laughs> What's the mean, median, and mode of our heights? Exactly. And all that yeah, yeah. And, and to, you know, you're right. I stand corrected. Uh, and bringing it around even more. Uh, you kind of talked about that teacher who was um, praising her students and just kind of creating that general vibe uh, of a positive classroom. And she was doing it within the context of a math discussion. Mm -hmm. So you're right. But I mean, I think we need both. It's not all or nothing, you know, or one side or nothing. I think you can have a nice mix of that. True. True. I, I'm still going to stick to my guns. You're right. Uh, we just, as coaches, though, need to recognize when maybe we need to lean a little bit more on providing classroom management support at the temporary mm, expense of doing as much math as we might want to have done, but cut back a little on the math so we can focus on the classroom management. I'll and give you that. I don't know. I'll give you that because you need the the classroom management in order to be able to do the the fun stuff or you know the the stuff that provides all the learning opportunities. And the data for 35 OECD participating countries says so. Yeah, totally. So focus just your time and energy on creating that positive climate in your classroom. If you need help, ask for it. Um, as an instructional coach, go out there, give it, um, you know, get out of your classroom and observe other colleagues for ideas. I think there's definitely a lot of ways that you can help do that. You got it. And then the other thing a teacher can do is invest the time in building strong relationships with your students. And this is going to help you. Um, and your students uh, develop that, uh, they're going to benefit from your well-being. Uh, students, uh, they're going to want to like their, they're going to feel like their teachers are fair. The kids are going to be, they're going to be happy. They're going to want to be coming to your class. And so uh, investing that times uh, to build those relationships. And to your point, Maggie, that could be done inside the context of, of mathematics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or any subject, really. I keep thinking Ooh. every time we we say some of these sentences, all I keep thinking of is happy the, the saying "happy wife, happy life." <laughs> but maybe it's yeah. happy teachers plus happy students equals learning. <laughs> sure. Or let's see, happy class is like wine in your glass. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Or you wouldn't need Someone a like wine in your glass if you have a happy <laughs> class. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, let's wrap this up. <laughs> All right. Well, um, let's see. Dwayne, what are your closing thoughts? Uh, focus on classroom management. It's the old Jim Knight thing. Uh, classroom management and the way you do that really not focusing on the management, but really focus on the climate and the relationships. And keeping that consistent um, so that your kids can follow along with what you're doing and um, be able to ingest the information. I totally agree. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, 
I guess. So what do you want? I don't know. I Balance is key. Um, you want to keep a well-managed class, um, but you don't want to inadvertently push the creativity fun out. Um, I'm taking away that relationships are imperative to student learning um, because as Rita Pearson said, um, every child deserves a champion, an adult who will never give up on them, who understands the power of connection and insists that they become the best they can possibly be. And if you walk into your classroom thinking that every single day, your kids are going to want to do better. Preach! I like that. That's so true. When you start busting out Rita Pearson, it's like, okay, preach. She's my hero. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I love it. When I'm having a bad day, like in terms of teaching and like need to pull my bootstraps up, I watch her and I'm like, all right, this is why I got into this business. Yeah. Yeah. She, she gets me at standing at the end of my edge of my seats, just clapping, going, woohoo. Uh-huh. Okay. So don't forget for everybody who's still listening, because <laughs> here we go. We, we did another 20 minutes. How did we do that? Um, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on whatever tool you're using to listen. And if you haven't already, send us a shout out on Twitter. Uh, I'm at D Habecker, Maggie, she's at Pele Lover One. And definitely, man, it would we would love it if y'all would um, leave a review on iTunes uh, because that kind of helps us. Yeah, and tell your friends about it. I mean, the more people that listen, the more ideas get shared with us. And, you know, we'll talk about them. We like ideas. So with that, I know. As with that, have a great week. And we thank you for tuning in. And we will see you every other Monday here at Infinite Insights. Take care. Yeah.